All right. Well, uh, again, we do want to say happy Father's Day to all you fathers. And, you know, I was thinking about Father's Day this morning. I was thinking about how, uh, how dysfunctional human relationships can be, though. How many of you would agree that relationships can be dysfunctional? How many of you are in a dysfunctional relationship right now? Just put your hand down. Just, just pretend. Uh, you know, but I've been thinking about that. Dysfunctional human relationships seem to be kind of just what happens, you know. Um, and I've been, I've been thinking about that this week, about how challenging Mother's Day and Father's Day can be for everybody. And I, I was thinking about how the common relationship dynamic, these are just common generalities between parents and children, kind of develops over time. Um, like, I, I think that if you really did a kind of a poll, generally you'd see, not always, but generally you'd see that parents uh, kind of start out as our heroes, right? When we're first born and we want to be like them. And I, I kind of feel like that's uh, ages zero to nine, you know, where, oh, my parents are pretty cool. I want to be like my dad. Uh, but around the age of 10, parents start to get a little annoying. Just a little annoying, right? Just to, like 10 to 11, it's like, oh, they're kind of annoying. And then when your kids hit 12, to 13, parents are complete idiots. Just, just dumb. Uh, and then, it's crazy, it gets worse. When they turn 14 to 18, parents are the worst humans ever. Just absolutely terrible. Um, and then, uh, I noticed though, there's this change around 19 to 22. It's like parents have money, so we have to put up with them. It's like, alright, you know, like, oh yeah. And, uh, you know, 23 to 25, it's like, well, parents aren't that bad. Um, and then when I turned 26, it's like, I kind of like my parents. And I remember when, when Don and I first got married, we were like 23, 24, 25, 26. We realized one day, we're like, we just hang out with my parents all the time and all their friends. And our friends are all in their mid-40s. And we were like, they're so old, but they're so wise, you know. And we were just trying to suck that up. Um, and then I think around the age of, yeah, around the age of 26, you start to like your parents. And then, you know, 30 plus, a lot of, the, a lot of us turn to this point where we start to spend time with our parents and we kind of want to be like them. You know, and I, I just think that that's a, a generally uh, the case for many people, not everybody. But Father's Day really can be pretty difficult, though. You know, it's because of these complexities in human relationships and the challenges that are connected to, to being human. Uh, that make it that way. I mean, for some, uh, today is awesome. Like, I woke up this morning. This is how I woke up, okay? I woke up at 4. I was like, nope, not going to happen. Went back to bed. And and 6 o'clock, I was like, I should, but I'm not going to. And then I, I had, uh, I got shooken awake around 6.40, and Dawn's there, and she's holding a triple shot caramel latte and a, and a sausage McMuffin type of sandwich, and she's like, happy Father's Day. And I was like, I'm going back to bed. And I went back to sleep. And then at 7.15, I woke up, and I was like, hey, it's sitting right there, and started drinking it. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And so my morning was pretty awesome. Uh, two out of my three daughters actually hugged me. I'm doing pretty good right now. Uh, but for other people, today is a pretty rough day. Um, on Friday, I was talking to a friend who goes to church here, and I was just letting him know. I was thinking about him, and and uh, and then I was talking to his his spouse, and like, yeah, we're going out of town because today is just so hard for him because it's a reminder of him being unable to see his kids. And so I was just like, oh, it's terrible. And I know for other people, um, it's, the, it's the reminder of not being able to have kids. For others, this is a reminder of having lost your father. And, and I just think that it's important for us to realize that the church is a community that's holding all these tensions together. 
like in this room, there's all these different tensions. There's different people feeling different things. And it just reminds me of 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul says these words. He says, he's talking about the body of Christ here. He's talking about the church. He says, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Do you hear that? We're supposed to care for each other. And then he says this. Paul says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And so I would love to do this. I would love for us to pray right now because, you know, at the end of the day, what I really do believe is that The only way that we can really care for each other and comfort each other and love each other and celebrate with each other is if we really lean into the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so let's pray real quick for that. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. And and we just want to acknowledge as a community that there are things in tension this morning. There are some in this room who have had a great morning and are feeling celebrated and, and maybe who have talk to their fathers and have great relationships with their fathers, but there's others in this room who today is a painful reminder, and there's grief and sorrow and and pain. And so, Lord, we pray that you, the God of all comfort, right now your presence would, would descend in this room, would come, and you'd bring peace. You'd bring awareness of your grace and your love. And that you would help us, Lord, this morning to to lean a bit more into the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, your spirit, Jesus' spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, uh, I want to just kind of backtrack for a minute here. Uh, We're in a sermon series right now on the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about who the Holy Spirit is. We had a conversation uh, two weeks ago with myself and Wes, just talking about who the Holy Spirit is. And and some of the activities of who the Holy Spirit is. And, and I think part of the goal for that is, is really to just acknowledge that as our church, part of our identity as a community is a, a community that really does value the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Like, if we are not welcoming the presence of God, we're wasting our time. I, I believe that with all of my heart. And, and the Spirit's work is to is to point us to Jesus and to help us to become more like Jesus. And we need, therefore, a lot more of the Spirit's work in our lives. And, and, I, and I also know that there's, um, you know, other churches that are on the extremes, maybe, where they're maybe less focused on the work of the Spirit. And there's others that seem to be only focused on the Spirit. And, and I'm kind of hoping that we can, like, back up a little bit and we can normalize desiring more of the presence and power of the Spirit. But we can also, like, root our practices and what the Bible teaches, because that's ultimately, as followers of Jesus, our guide, our guide along the way. So we're in the sermon series for, for a few, uh, for a couple months this summer, and really the goal of the sermon series, I think, for me, is, is been to pray that we would have more of the Holy Spirit's power, more of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, that our worship not just singing, but every aspect of our lives would be, would be bathed in the presence of the Spirit, that our church community would be committed to the work of the Spirit, that our work, our, our vocations, where we spend a majority of our lives, our life and our families, all of those places would be places where we say more, more of the Spirit's presence, more of the Spirit's work, that there would be more of a desire for that. And today I want to think a little bit about 
what more of the Holy Spirit might look like in our lives. Now, I, I have to start by acknowledging that um, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even into the, two, the 90s, there was, there was a lot of debate about the Holy Spirit. Um, because there were, there were um, people who had, you know, kind of like not had a lot, of, a lot of experience with the Holy Spirit. And some people had developed theologies that minimized the work of the Spirit. And they kind of viewed the, the Spirit as, as being um, kind of mysterious and not really as involved in our faith as, as other features of Christianity. And then what had happened is, as we talked about last week, is that in the 1900s, this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened amongst the Pentecostal movement. And, and it has become, the Pentecostal and the charismatic movements have become the fastest growing Christians in all of the world. Right now, currently, that's still, still true. And so I remember when that was happening, those debates, there were actually people who taught. This was a true thing that they taught. It's not true, but it's what they said. That's what I mean. They would say, hey, listen, you need to be really careful. Because if you desire the Holy Spirit and you open yourself up to more of the Holy Spirit, you might catch a demon. You actually might, you might say yes to God and then, and then Satan will get in there and he'll fill you and deceive you. And, and it sounds, it sounds like, okay, it's, it's, it's kind of positioned in a way to, to encourage discernment. But it's so on its face anti-biblical that I have to spend some time this morning telling you that if you buy into that nonsense, you have been deceived. I really believe that. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, and see what Jesus himself says about asking, seeking, and knocking for more of the Spirit's presence in our lives. So let's look at this passage of Scripture, setting it up. Jesus is with his disciples, and they're asking him about prayer. They're asking him about prayer. And we read these words. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. You'll see this all over the Gospels. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sins against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night. And my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much, listen to this, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those 
who ask him. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus' teaching here is honestly one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. I mean, I, I feel like this is one of those passages that in the course of the last 25 years, when I'm having conversations with people who are, who are trying to grow in their faith, it's one of the passages that we just need to answer that phone. We just need to answer it. <laughs> my mom used to call me all the time by, during, during church, by the way. It was so funny. I'm like, do you know what I do? No? Okay. I shouldn't say all the time, but she's done it a few times. But the, the point here is that Jesus is basically making it very clear that there's a, there's a connection This is what's so interesting. There's a connection between the kingdom of God, right? May your kingdom come. There's a connection to that. There's a connection to prayer. And there's a connection to more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we we spend some time this morning thinking about this text, we're going to see that more of the Holy Spirit in our lives means more prayer in our lives. And that's going to fit really well with today being Father's Day and thinking about some of the things connected to fatherhood. But before we talk about that, we need, to, we need to think about another question for us this morning. We need to think about the question of what is prayer. Because I, I just think that if, if we're honest, if we're really honest, most of us in this room probably are a little confused by what prayer is. Like, I, I just remember growing up feeling like I didn't know the right words to talk to God. Like, I just didn't know the cool theological terms. And then um, I was in a, in a church for a while where everybody who prayed, like, prayed with the thighs and the thous. Any of you ever been around somebody like that? Like, and they pray so, like, so professional. You're just like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. Like, I could never say those words. And so I was really confused by what prayer is uh, for a long time in my life. But when we think about what is prayer, I just want to tell you that the, the definition of prayer is very simple. I think that prayer is simply communication with God. And, and when we think about what communication is and how it shapes us, we have to really lean into this because prayer is, I believe, a formative practice that helps us both connect with God. Prayer also actually changes the world because God responds to our prayers. Um, it, prayer changes our hearts about situations and people um, very easily. Oftentimes, if you have somebody in your life that you really struggle with, and you're just, you just really want to, you know, elbow them. If you have somebody like that, one of the things you can do is start praying for them. When I first started pastoring, I had, I had just about finished my, my master's in theology, and I was, like, ready to go. And I was like, all right. So I, I started pastoring this church, and I would write 20-page sermons that were essentially New Testament exegetical papers. And there was, like, no practical anything in them. I remember I was like, well, that's not my job. You guys got to figure out how to apply this. And they were so boring, just terrible. And I remember at the end of uh, one of the services, this 98-year-old man in our church walked up to me and he just said, if it can't be said in 10 minutes, it's not worth saying. <laughs> Dagger to the heart. I was like, but I talked for 50 minutes, right? And, and this guy would just, he was so rude to people. He was mean, mean. I mean, people would, would avoid him because his words were so mean, and they would just cut to your heart. And, I mean, there were numerous times where I'd go home just, you know, in tears, like, oh. And I started praying that that guy would find another church. It's <laughs> like, Lord. No, I started praying for him. I just started praying for him all the time. I was, I was like, I'm going to pray for this guy. 
um, because his son was a big part of our community, and I loved his son. So I was praying and praying and praying, and I'll tell you what. As soon as I started praying for him regularly in the morning, my heart changed for him. Like, it was weird. I no longer wanted to avoid him, but I would, I would go out of my way to spend time talking to him. Because as I talked to him and I found out his life, I found out he had lived one of the most challenging, difficult lives. I mean, he had been married three times. Okay? That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay? But prayer does change who we are. And it helps us reorient our lives around Jesus and his kingdom and helps us begin to see people through the eyes of God rather than just the way that we naturally deal with them. And so when it comes to prayer, I think it's important that we remember that God doesn't require us to use $50 words um, when we talk or speak to him. We don't have to use old English, these and thys. Our understanding of prayer must be directly connected to our understanding of who God is. It's about his character and his attributes. And that's why on days like today, we need to pull, pull back a little bit and meditate a bit and reflect on the fatherhood of God, his characteristics and personalities. Uh, oh, another way to think about it is this. When it comes to prayer, do we believe that God is relational? If we do believe that God is relational, it's going to change the way that we interact with him. One of my favorite theologians, Jürgen Moltmann, says it this way. Listen to how he writes about this. He writes, only hired servants beg from their masters. Children talk trustfully and confidently to their mothers and fathers about the things that are on their minds. As we do in a family, we tell God about our joys and our suffering because we know how lovingly God shares in our lives. For God is a lover of life. Only servants come to their masters solely with their requests and demands, otherwise preferring to keep them, keep well away from them. He goes on to say, We pour out our hearts to God as we do to an understanding friend. And when we pray for other people or tell God our wants and desires, we are advising him in his government of the world. But we don't coerce our heavenly friend with our plans and intentions. We respect his freedom. Talking to God and listening to him in this freedom, which is the expression of great love, is prayer in the Holy Spirit. This is the way God's friends pray. So if you don't have a great father, if you don't have a great father, if that's part of your life story, here's the good news. God is a great father. God is patient. He is faithful, he is merciful, he is gracious, he is full of loving kindness. I mean, everywhere we, we look at the scriptures, we see that God is eager to have relationships with us. And, and so that's why days like this, we need to just remember that um, re regardless of whether or not our earthly fathers were good people in our lives, ultimately we have a heavenly father that is very good. So this leads us to this question of how is the Holy Spirit related to prayer? How is the Holy Spirit related to prayer? And that's what we're going to see in Luke chapter 11. Because in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells us everything about the relationship between the Holy Spirit and our communication with God. And, and, and I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm hoping that, that out of this gathering, when we leave this place throughout the rest of this week, in the coming months, in the years, that we would lean into being people who pray. People who pray. And so the more you pray, the more that the Holy Spirit is going to be a part of your life. Look at what 
what Jesus says in Luke 11. He starts out by saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking at the door. And then he goes on to say, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So quick question. How many of you would agree that the idea that if you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, you're going to catch a demon is absolutely crazy? Are you with me? It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And if you listen to the radio and maybe you've been around Christian uh, churches, I just want to let you know, like one person who taught this very thing is none other than John MacArthur. And if John, if John MacArthur is on the radio all the time, written tons of books and has said a lot of great things, but these are some of the things that have come out of people who are, are um, opposed to the, the outpouring and ongoing work of the Spirit. And I'm just telling you, it is absolutely crazy. Jesus says clearly that if we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, the good Heavenly Father will give more of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's good news. So the, whole, the more that the Holy Spirit leads your life, I think the more that you're going to want to pray. Because prayer is an evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. And so I want to talk really quickly about three ways the Holy Spirit is related to prayer. This is what, what Jesus kind of lays out here uh, in this text. Okay? So we're thinking about three ways that the Holy Spirit is related to prayer. The first way is this. Spirit-empowered prayer, meaning prayer that is, that is energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is prioritized. It is prioritized. That's the whole point of the Lord's Prayer. So we pray the Lord's Prayer all the time here on Sunday mornings. And it's good to do that. Christians have been doing that for 2,000 years. But the point of the Lord's Prayer isn't to necessarily pray the exact words. It's more along the lines of teaching us how to pray. It is a kingdom-centered and focused on, on the kingdom coming and, and the things of the kingdom. And it, so it helps us prioritize what should be important to us. That's why the Lord's Prayer is helpful. Because when we pray, how are we supposed to pray? We pray, hallowed be your name. We start that way, amen? We start out by praise. We recognize and honor God, and we go from there. Number two, spirit-empowered prayer is persistent. Jesus actually says that those who are persistent are rewarded. He says that those who are persistent will be rewarded. And this fits right along with what we see throughout Scripture all over the place. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the writer of Hebrews 11 says this. He says that for us to diligently seek God, if we diligently seek God, God will reward us. And so there's something connected to our persistence in prayer. And I can tell you many stories about praying and praying and praying or, or stories of people in our church community who are like, oh, I have this loved one. I have a, a child who is just not living for Jesus and they spend years and years and years praying and finally their persistence pays off because their children come to faith in Jesus or their parents come to faith in Jesus. And so we have to be people who are empowered by the Spirit to be persistent in our prayer. Number three, Spirit-empowered prayer is passionate. I just I think this is something that we, generally speaking, are pretty decent about. I don't think we just say words to say words. But Jesus indicates here that it's perfectly okay to be spiritually hungry. Like, we don't have to, have to apologize for being passionate about Jesus. I think that that is, that is crazy. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you've been around, you know that we include praying litanies which are pre-written prayers. And so those of you who are like charismatic Pentecostal, you're like, oh, that's weird. That's Catholic. And then you, if you're Catholic, you're like, I feel at home. Right? And here's the deal. I mean, 
Christians have been praying litanies for 2,000 years. So, like, the idea of just not doing them seems weird to me. But one of the reasons why we pray litanies is because sometimes, sometimes things we're going through are so challenging. They're so challenging and emotional that we do not have the words to pray. And so there's these prayers that the church has put together to help guide our prayers. And then I also want to point out that for those of us who want to have the outgoing and ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, we have to acknowledge the Spirit's been at work in the church for 2,000 years. Amen? It's not like the vineyard came along and all of a sudden discovered the Holy Spirit. Right? The Spirit's been at work for a long time. And so that's why churches have included both pre-written prayers, litanies, and spontaneous off-the-head off the prayers for thousands of years. And that's why we do that. But I remember when I first went to a liturgical church and everybody was doing the sit-down, stand-up thing. And they were just like, blah, 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 like, it's like no passion in their prayers. Our Father, our heaven, hallowed be our It's like, what's going on? When we pray litanies, would you agree that our prayer should be stirred by passion? Amen? And so I encourage you, when we pray these prayers, it's okay to pray with passion. It's okay to pray with passion because spirit-empowered prayer is passionate. Passion for Jesus, passion for the kingdom, and passion for the power of the Holy Spirit are absolutely good things. Here's the caveat with that, though, and I've seen this a lot being around charismatics. I, I see this, this like cyclical thing that happens where it's like, you know, we're going, things are really, really bad. Life is really, really challenging. And then we just like jump all in and get really crazy about Jesus. And then after a month or two, we give up and we go back to like just barely making it. I think there's something to be said about, about being sustainable in our faith and consistent with it. Because I do believe it's easier to be excessively fanatic than to be consistently faithful. And that is really one of the things that drives Jesus' teaching and prayer. So let's stand up together. And we're going to take a few moments to pray. <clears throat> I think the question may be, um, maybe, hopefully we've done a decent job of talking today about what this has to do with Father's Day. But, you know, I think it is, it is uh, important to realize that one of the things about fatherhood that I've been learning and that I've learned from my own dad is that, is that communication is, is one of the foundational things about being in a good relationship with our father or to be a father i need to be a, a communicative communicative person and communication is two-way right it's like me speaking but we also have to take time to listen right so that's what we need to remember about our good father is that he listens to us but the part of our faith as a person who's wanting to have more of the holy spirit's presence and power is that we need to take time to listen to how the Holy Spirit might speak to us. Like, what is the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? How is the Holy Spirit stirring us? What might the Holy Spirit be inviting us into? And we need to then respond to those things. So I want to close with some prayer. But first, I want to share a pretty terrible tragedy that's happened in the last last couple of weeks. There's been a, a man who's been coming to our church who'd been coming for a while. His name's Steve. And um, Steve has had addiction issues for most of his life and has been really just wrestling through the challenges of having a lot of brokenness in his life. So what happens is because of the brokenness that he's experienced, 
you know, then you, you, you get sucked into handling those anxieties and griefs and pains with, with drugs. And, and I just, terrible news, um, Steve overdosed on drugs last week. And terrible news. And um, so his, he had been attending here and I think trying to get out of, out of, uh, out of the, his addiction issues. And he's been bringing um, one of his kids. And, and this week when I found the news, I was just um, a bit devastated, to be honest with you, uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, it's terrible news, right? And it's terrible because he's a human being who was created in the image of God, and God loved him. And it's also equally terrible because this man was in our community at times, and just it's just, I don't know. It's just bad. But then I got to thinking a little bit about this week that, you know, I don't know, I don't know all the answers to everything, um, but I do know that as a community, I would, I think that we would all hope to be a community where seeds of the gospel can be planted in people's hearts. Amen? And I, and I think it's true that we would want to be a church where drug addicts would feel welcomed. Amen? And the reason why is because we, we want to connect with the father heart of God. And I just think that as a father of, of children, if one of my children were, were struggling through addictions, what would I want for them? I would want them to feel loved. I would want them to feel like they, they are loved and valued. And so as a community, I need to just tell you right now that the only way that we can do this stuff, we can, we can carry out this, this work of the kingdom, is by leaning into the spirit. It's the only way. It's the only way that we can wake up and not just give up. Amen? And so this morning I was just thinking a lot about and praying into this, this uh, calling that we have, this mission that we have. Like our church exists for a purpose. Amen? And if we are going to accomplish our purpose, you know, we say knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, that's what we're about. If we're going to be able to do that, we need more of the Spirit. Amen? So what I'd love to do right now is is respond to this promise that Jesus gives. And so I'm not I don't want to make anybody feel like they have to do anything, but if you would like to just close your eyes right now. And we're just going to pray for more of the Holy Spirit's presence, guidance, power, leading his voice right now. And if you are comfortable with lifting your hands, just like we do oftentimes in the vineyard, you're more than welcome to do that. But I just pray right now for you, Holy Spirit, to come. Come, Holy Spirit. There are people in this room, Lord, that would like to receive more of your presence. They'd like to receive more of your power, more of your guidance right now. 